Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. A quick thanks, as you can see, some changes on the show. Uh, thank you for Tennis Channel for believing in this concept, believing in us, and we're uh, really excited to get started under this great banner. On today's episode, uh, we want to get into some of the drama in Australia, uh, but right now, uh, Nadal and Novak are in Adelaide, Australia, South Australia, while the rest of the tour are in Melbourne. What are the next two weeks going to be like for all these players? How are those experiences going to change? And um, I guess some players right off the bat are a little bit bitter. I'll name specifically Benoit Paire, um, who was kind of had an eyebrow raised that the, the players in Adelaide, which include Dominic Team on the men's side, Serena Williams, Simona Halep, and, um, and Naomi Osaka on the women's side, they have better conditions, more specifically a gym in their hotel so that their five hours of training does not have to go towards fitness because they can use the hotel time towards fitness and uh, a larger entourage that they are allegedly allowed to bring. Um, Joel, is there any kind of eyebrow raised for, for you about maybe the, the players in Adelaide having better conditions than everyone in Melbourne? Yeah, that is really intriguing to see. And of course, it just shows you, as we've spoken about, about kind of the way that the top players and certain things that they get, and they're going to be playing this exhibition in two weeks. It's going to be interesting to see how they, uh, how it plays out in the tournaments, how fit they are and what goes on with the injuries and and how all that shakes out. I think that's really going to be fascinating. Well, I think in tennis, we, we accept inequality sometimes for entertainment. And I think the way this worked out is there were, Craig Tiley of Tennis Australia literally was having trouble getting the Victorian government to allow him to bring the number of people in. And that's why he wanted a second location. Adelaide said, okay, we'll take players, but we need tennis. We need a tournament. And that's why this exhibition was was set up. I don't think we're going to be complaining when we have this this great tennis in Adelaide. And I think it kind of follows a, a certain pattern we see in tennis. Wild cards, the ATP uh, Cup, scheduling. These are all things that aren't necessarily fair by the definition of fair, but they they're good for entertainment. And we we accept a bit of inequality in exchange for extra entertainment. Well, Gil, <laughs> I think anyone who has ever played tennis, which we all three do, or any sport, 
feels for players who have to be cooped up in their hotel room for two weeks because they were on one of these now three planes where people tested negative on the way down and now they test positive. So those be due to the regulations by the government are going to have to stay in strict and I mean strict quarantine for two weeks and um, then come out and play and the the risk of injury um, is um, real very real I mean can you imagine doing that now I know you can say that you can work out in your hotel room and um, you and I know, we all know, it's just not the same. So this morning, um, Novak wrote to Craig Tiley and uh, made the following requests that um, fitness and training materials, and I'm reading from his letter, fitness and training materials in all rooms, decent food, Reduce the days of isolation for the 47 isolated players, that's now far more, carrying out more tests, um, permission to visit your coach and physical trainer as long as both have passed the tests. If the previous proposal has the green light, then both the player and his coach are on the same floor of the hotel. Move as many players as possible to private houses with a court to train. It's really about court time and being cooped up in that hotel. Oh, it's a, it's a huge oh, it's, disadvantage. I, I like those. I think that's pretty impressive of Novak to have presented that. I think the last one about the private housing and court time, that gets tricky and complicated and mobile. But yeah, these, these hotel rooms, uh, yeah, I've seen, we've seen some of the tweets of players already hitting against the, the wall of their hotel room and even against the window, but I hope they're using uh, lower compression balls. Uh, but uh, I don't know, you're gonna bring in all these Pelotons. I mean, how much exercise equipment? It's a, it's a great, it's an intriguing thing. And it's interesting how they didn't think about that before, even with the 19 hours. I mean, 19 hours in the hotel room is a little stir crazy. I was talking to, I've talked to certain coaches and people about what do you do during that time? How do you make that time productive? Um, our, Good mate Craig O'Shannis, who told me, "Hey, this is a great time to study matches." But he he told me something funny. He said, "He said let's study matches, and you can study matches and video, and then also relax." And he had, was talking about the movie Dumb and Dumber. I said, "So good, right?" So smart and smarter by day, dumb and dumber by night, relax, enjoy, but still 19 hours and then 24 hours for some of these folks. That's going to be really hard, and it's going to be see how they how they come out of that especially when their competitors don't have that scenario. That's right, where they've gotten the five hours. Maybe we should, we'll have to keep a list of, all right, who was on the 24 hour, who was on the 19 hour, who was in the Adelaide, and you see how it's going to play out during the tournament. Australian doubles player Philip Oswald did, did an interview, and he said uh, he's one of the players who needs 24 hours, and he said the hardest part is I can see the tennis courts out my window. So he's going to be watching these players train. I cannot think of, of a better way to psychologically torture a tennis player than to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they have, I'll just go out on a limb here and say, Craig Tiley, Tennis Australia, they've got to get the sequestered players out for some amount of time. They got to figure out how to do it. If they have to um, have the players hitting 
on a lone court on a ball machine by themselves for a half hour each a day. They've got to get them out of that hotel um, if they can test the crap out of them. And I, I'm guessing that they can. You can perform multiple tests per day. It's just completely unfair. It's not right. And um, they need to be flexible and kind of move with this situation. Well, there's also, there's a story that comes to mind about this uh, Vietnam POW who was in a POW camp and he um, thought, well, how am I gonna pass this time? And so he, uh, he's a golfer and he, he visualized, he visualized a round of golf uh, and he played the whole thing out in his head, like the first hole and I'm driving and here's my putt and the second hole. And he did this for a while while he's in there. So he comes out of the camp and the first time he shoots a 72. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? They did the same study with free throws. They took a group, group A and group B and group A, they, they had shoot 50 free throws a day. Group B, they had visualized making 50 free throws a day and B did better. So, <laughs> well, but, that's, but... and then in the meantime, also Australians, Ashley Barty, she's already out there because she, they, you know, these folks, I'm intrigued to see mm -hmm. these players like Barty and Kyrgios, who we haven't seen for a very long time and how, and where they are. So there's a lot of, yeah, there is, I will see a lot of inequity on the whole um, prep front. And, well, and the most important thing, just to say quickly, the most important thing is the player's health. Um, and that includes their physical health as well. You don't want a ton of injuries, you know, the second that they get back out there, Gil. But it's also the, the health of the Australian public, which has, oh, we have a cameo, the cat. Um, <laughs> also the, the health of the Australian public, which is um, as of yesterday, there have been 909 deaths in Australia throughout this entire pandemic. It's, it's mind blowing um, the, I guess the difference between, between them and, and some other countries such as the US. So th they're handling this delicately because they have done so well to keep this mm -hmm. virus under control. And that's what I would really say about Novak's requests is while, while I, I don't have anything against him writing to Craig Tiley and throwing that out there. I see it as completely infeasible. I see it as a complete non-starter. It's not up to Tennis Australia. It's the Victorian government. And Craig Tiley has already asked, can we test these players every day? Is that okay? Or can we only quarantine the players who are close to the positive tests in the specific planes? And the answer from the government has been no. And I, and I don't think Novak yeah. Djokovic is going to be able to change that answer. But it's significant that he's trying, Gil. If we can kind of bring it back to Novak, who he is as a person. You know, last year he started this effort to start the Players Union. And there was a lot of blowback, including from Federer and Nadal. Um, who said that this is a time for unity. But I tweeted yesterday in um, response to a Belinda Benchich uh, quote about the poor conditions and the unequal conditions that, look, this is why Novak wanted to start this players union. And um, the players need to listen to him because um, He's not helping himself by trying to devote all this time and energy to creating change, positive change in the sport. He's not helping himself on the court, 
many of his fans and coaches have said, look, I just wish you would not do this. Just focus on playing and being the GOAT and all that. But he is someone who is driven to be involved and to um, try to affect change. That's interesting. Well, it's interesting to see Novak wanting to play a leadership role in the sports. And, some, and maybe sometimes for some people that kind of uh, other engagements, extracurricular activity can help the other activity. Arthur Ashe was president of the ATP, the second president, lots of politics going on in tennis. They were involved in litigation with Jimmy Connors, who he ended up playing in the, AT in the Wimbledon final. So, and Charlie Passerell, Arthur Ashe's best friend said, this maybe helped him. So maybe it's a kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a balancing. And so maybe it's something that Novak is gonna help his, his tennis. Certainly, certainly he's gonna be fit. Certainly he's training and obviously the training they've done before they even got on these planes to Australia is significant, the extent of that. But uh, it's interesting to see him seeking to play this leadership role. Again, we, we're going to be following very closely throughout the year this whole players' union, the role of the men in it, the uh, players. I don't know. Okay, what about the woman in that? And what's that? Does that mean anything? And how's that play out? So it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how this continues throughout the year and Novak's desire to play this leadership role on behalf of a great many players. And again, he doesn't need it. He's, he's, he's in the zero, zero, one percent but that he wants to do other things that's intriguing. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yeah, it's just right now not a lot of material ha has happened with the, the Players Association. I really thought that would happen this summer. I thought once the players got done playing, this was going to be kind of, uh, or excuse me, not summer, but uh, this was going to be an off-season of political reckoning in the sport, and then just absolutely nothing happened. And I don't think anything's going to happen here either. So, I mean, when it, you know, when it comes to grading Djokovic as a politician – uh, you'd say he's saying the right things, but nothing, nothing is happening. Although I do acknowledge that uh, there has been some, some very charitable moments for Djokovic supporting the lower ranked players over the quarantine, giving, you know, giving them money and making sure they're supported. So, so that has been material, but in terms of structural change, um, nothing, nothing quite has happened yet. Well, nothing. I hope that people, especially people who are not fans of Novak, if you're in Camp Rafa or if you're Fed Nation, I hope that people will not hold Novak to an impossible standard of perfection when it comes to the political, because that's just not fair. He hasn't been trained in that arena and he's doing the best he can. And again, he is trying to be a positive force and make change. The other two guys have said, we kind of like it the way it is. We're doing really well and we like the sport and all that. And obviously Novak sees that differently. So no, he's not going to do everything perfectly. The yeah. announcement, they didn't include the women, blah, 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 blah. But this is what he's doing is hard. Well, we're going to see through the course of 2021 what this PTPA seeks to accomplish and how it seeks to go not accomplish 
to attempt to do. I mean, you're right. I'm not going to hold it for what it's accomplished because you know it's, it's complicated politics and administration, but how it continues to demonstrate some leadership. So I'll I'll be intrigued. Like and I've said before, I want to see what they want to do that involves also the fans to some degree. You know, the people who are paying to go to these events. And of course, this is going to be a tricky year. I mean, I called it. I wrote a story the other day about quarantine, the year of playing dangerously. I mean, the calendar is going to be a jingle jangle. Events are going to mm-hmm. be sliding back and forth. Players are going to uh, testing. You know, we're, we're not going to see as many tournaments where we have 19 of the top 20 in the field or 20 of the top 20. It's going to be intriguing and they're going to be upsets and there's going to be physical stuff. And again, I think for the players, kind of a, a constant looming dread. I mean, airports and hotels and transportation have been kind of their for years, they've been half asleep when they do that stuff. And now every airport, every hotel, every check-in, every room, it's kind of got its whole malingering dread factor to it. And, and that's, and even for that's true, whether you're Novak and you have all the accoutrements and for a qualifier, it's right. a, lot, it'll be a lot of stress this year. So guys, I want to take you to the way back machine about, I don't know, 10 podcasts ago. Remember when Novak first brought out the PTPA and there was the statement from Pospisil and Novak and the others muckety mucks involved. What was the one word that I like was, and everybody says about money, it's about money, it's about money, it's about price amenities right yay you remembered so that has come to bear here because we have a player Puznetsova yesterday checks into her hotel room she's got her cup of tea she's trying to relax and maybe get some sleep after a long flight and there's a mouse in her room and she cannot get anyone's attention from the hotel from tenant nobody can help her with this mouse for over two and a half hours and, uh, you know, that's that's one, like, what if she had a medical emergency or something like that and she couldn't get anyone's attention for two and a half hours? And how are you supposed to get sleep with a mouse in your room? <laughs> and then another, another report is that some of the players have suites and some of the players just have regular rooms. I mean, these, they, they we can scoff at them, but these are very real life things for the players and the amenities are important to them as they train for these world-class tournaments. But isn't that just a product of architecture? I mean, if you put a bunch of players in a hotel, the people at the top are going to get the penthouse, right? Uh, so I think, look- Get another I, hotel. Try I, to make it more even. I mean- Yeah, and I think that's probably still, what they didn't do. But Millions upon millions upon millions of dollars these federations yeah. are bringing in from these slams. As bad as I feel for the players, and I give them full license to complain, I, I love complaining, okay? I, I'm a Jerry Seinfeld fan. I'm a Larry David fan. I love complaining. And they can complain, but at the same time, and these things to me are not mutually exclusive, the players complain, can complain, and Tennis Australia can be praised and really, uh, I, I think that they are uh, have done mostly everything right. And I think those two things can both be true. Um, I know everything is a strong word, and I think the communication could have been better uh, from Tennis Australia to spell it out uh, for these players exactly what the situation might be if players tested positive on these planes, um, on these charters. But, I mean, this is a massive undertaking. As much money as they have, Amy, it's, it's insane what they're doing. A lot of Australians can't 
go to Australia. They're trapped out of their own country. And now we're putting on a tennis tournament with a bunch of international players. You could imagine what the government is demanding here and how hard it is to adhere to those demands. Yes. And, and you raise a good point. And the, the health and security of the country really is the most important thing. The question is, how do you balance it all? What can you do within these um, confines? Yeah. I'm still thinking about Kuznetsova and the mouse. I'm sure <laughs> she's had other unheeded phone calls in her career, but this is all dramatized. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure every player has had some odd hotel stories in their career, even in non-pandemic times about odd things that have happened. But now, of course, I think this is gets to the kind of the, the lingering dread stress. It's like, wow, there's a pandemic and we got this stuff and I can't even, you know, get a mouse dealt with. And what, and, and Amy, you point out so well, what if I do have a medical emergency and there's something that goes on again, that's what's going to make such a, this is going to be a, such an interesting year in tennis. I mean, last year we were just grateful. Okay. At the end of the year, we got some tennis, a couple of bubbles. Let's get through it. It's November. It's over. How nice that we each got to play four or five tournaments. But now to see how the whole year is going to play out, I mean, so it's, and now after Australia, is it on to Europe and what's Miami and what's Florida? And each of these regions is going to have its own peculiar set of protocols and testing and transportation and coming in contact with people and masking. And whew, I mean, while the vaccine is attempting to get implemented too. Yeah, well, Australia is apparently going to be pretty comfortable for the players after they get through the two weeks because uh, the, the guidelines are, you know, go from extraordinarily strict when you, when you come from travel and then they, they loosen up tremendously. I'm pretty sure that players are going to be looking forward to eating at restaurants without masks in two weeks. Well, and one of the nice things about the Australian open of all the four, it's the one where the tournament is closest to the city. Mm -hmm. So that has a very, a very nice quality to it where, so it's, it has a, it would be as if the U S open was played in central park. So yeah. there's something nice about that that makes it very cozy. That, I, I want to. Yeah, go on, Gil. Sorry about that, Joel. I, I was just going to say I, I did want to end with with the tennis and um, how dead or, or or what do you think? Uh, how severe will the effects of 14 days no tennis be compared to the players who do get to train the five hours? And for Djokovic team um, and Nadal. How important might it be that they get their five hours of tennis plus their their hotel gyms and the extra entourage? I mean, how significant might this be when when it comes to actually projecting the results of the Australian Open? Sometimes well, this this kind of thing can be paradoxical. So if you're one of the players that was free and you had your five hours and everything's great, you got a suite. Um, you then have pressure, more pressure to perform. And mm -hmm. just like Joel said, maybe the other guy is sitting there visualizing and <laughs> he comes out and it's like, you know, when you've been away from the court for a while, you feel so free when you're finally back on again and expectations are lowered. And so that will be interesting to see. The first time after the layoff, yeah, maybe, then maybe the second time, then you regain the expectations. And then on a much lower, lower stress basis, it reminds me of the U.S. Open when there used to be the Saturday semis and the Sunday final. And there was always this question, well, did the person who had to play that second semi, were they less 
fit to play the final or 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 did they have this adrenaline you know or are they just riding high anyway and and i haven't ever looked at the data i mean you could be there'd be some interesting data to see who played the first semi and who played the later semi and how that affected them for the final so of course this is only about i don't know five thousand times more stressful <laughs> to, to <laughs> have to have this quarantine but that's a great point amy they're going to have the five hours though it's I talked to some a, a couple of coaches. It's uh, it's five hours of time, so it's also it's tennis, it's fitness, it's it's walking outdoors. You know, it's just yeah. kind of, it's it's yeah. it's that too. I mean, I know I know Gil, you got your Spanish suffering. Your thing is five hours of drilling, five hours of cross courts and down <laughs> the lines, right? But it also can be just you know a half hour like a coach. Half hour, take a walk. Yep. Half hour, go go get go get your nails done, you know, go something to just unwind. Yeah. I, and the, the complaint I think is that the, the people in Adelaide, they get to actually work out and it doesn't count towards their five hours in, in a gym. That is that right. that's the complaint. Um, I, I'm not that concerned about the tennis when it comes to the, the 14 days layoff, I'm more concerned about the fitness and I'm really hoping that as Amy alluded to earlier, that there aren't injuries. I think that's a great point about the pressure. And uh, it reminds me of me as a player when I found that I take a long layoff and I take the court for the first time in a long time. First time I play, I'm expecting to shank every ball. I'm always like, whoa, that wasn't so bad. Second time I play, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is great. Third time I play, I'm furious with myself. I can't believe I'm not playing better. It's terrible. Like, I, I don't know what happened. That tends to be how it goes. Mine is the second time. Mine is the first time back. Like you said, hey, not bad for the layoff. Okay, not as rusty as I thought. And the second time, what, what's going Why aren't I fully back? What's going on? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, following that formula, maybe we would see some early upsets, um, but then things would kind of, the cream would rise to the top. So it'll be interesting well, to see. I don't know, Amy, as, uh, since you're kind of our nominal head of research, <laughs> I want, we, maybe we can have you, um, as the Browns progress in Australia, I, want, I see this Excel spreadsheet of you, like the Adelaide, you know, the Adelaide group, the, the 24 hours, the 19 hour group, and you can see, and you can track. How yeah, they're, they're doing. But, why not? But we're all, we're all a little concerned about some injuries and odd defaults and things like that. I'm just concerned about the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need amenities, no mouses in the, in the hotel rooms. And, and Amy, uh, we have a, a spreadsheet a assignment for, for the Australian Open, don't we? Yes, absolutely. I'll get right on that. That'll do it for this episode of three. Remember, we're available on all podcast platforms uh, on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, like the video, leave a comment. We greatly appreciate it if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And we will see you next time on the next episode of three.